Welcome to Of Dust and Divinity, a place where we ask big questions of small things as we gather around the table with makers, thinkers, and doers. So grab your favorite drink, pull up a chair, and join us. And now, here are your hosts, Caben Kramer and Chris Quant. Caben! Good evening, Chris. How are you? Oh my goodness, it's so good to be back with you. It's good to be back with you. We were joking a little bit beforehand that uh, I've got the moral high ground uh, today sure because do. not only did you show up late to our recording sesh, uh, but you got to leave a little bit early and uh, you're, you're like, Chris, ask me why I have to leave early. Hey, Cabin, <laughs> why do you have to leave early today? <laughs> well, tomorrow is Judah's 10th birthday. Happy birthday, Judah. Means, yeah, which means we're kicking off uh, his rites of passage. Oh yes, so we we've got some planning to do. Interesting uh, to make sure that we're prepared for tomorrow's kind of presentation, invitation, reveal, because um, he doesn't know anything about it. So this will be the first taste he's getting of what's been in my brain for the last ten years. Oh, I love it! So, what gauntlet will he run? Boy, I, maybe this deserves its own episode separately. It actually does. I am real we, interested. We bookmark in this? it for like we next should. week. We should do that. Let's do that. Um, That's that. I would love to have a conversation about rights. Of, so, Cliff notes I, I, there's six years worth of content to these rights of of passage. So, yeah, his tenth year is really just very um, laying some groundwork, very invitational, very low level, and then it's going to scaffold from there. So, yeah, maybe let's let's ha- let's talk about it next week. I love it. Hey, listener! I have a reason to come back. Rites of passage <laughs> next week, and and we had we had teased something last week that we were going to talk about that I wanted to talk to you about, but actually, and we'll get to it. There's something that has usurped that right now that I want to get yes. to. It's a little bit more pressing. Uh, but before we get there, uh, Caitlin, what are you drinking today? Oh, Chris, you beat me to it. I was waiting for a word in sideways. Oh. All right, let's see. Let's see if we get this. Let's you got to You got to really talk to right here to get in there. Okay, let's go here. Hang on. Yep. Hang on. Quiet. All right. You gotta be quicker on that. Ah, oh, there it is. I was t- I was talking over your <laughs> maybe. Okay, this is Anderson Valley Old Fashioned. Oh. It is a delightful little beverage. If you've ever had the opportunity, it's it's not an old fashioned as in the cocktail old fashioned. That was going to be my question. It is in fact a malt beverage with natural flavors added, uh, aged in bourbon barrels. It's a beer. Asian bourbon barrels. It's very good. So you're Anderson Valley. Last week you were North Coast, which was mm-hmm. Northern California coast. Yes. And now Anderson Valley is a little south of that uh, in yes. kind of the middle part of California. Well, not middle, but upper middle part of California. Mm-hmm. So close by. You've got a oh, California yeah. theme going. I'll tell you what, that whole Sonoma, Mendocino, like that whole stretch Real of California good. between there. They produce some fantastic alcohol. Real good. Anderson Valley, their summer solstice is my mm. one of my favorites. Nice. Um, yeah, it's if you ever it's it's probably going to be coming out here pretty soon. So if you have a chance, okay, um, check it out. But so, but now I'm curious, Chris, what are you drinking? So I got the same thing. I've I've got the bottle here. I've got the can opener and the uh, and the and the top here. So we'll. Uh, get oh, a little. That was a good sound. I like this that. This is. Oh my gosh, I can smell it. I can smell it as soon as I opened it. I have a banana bread. Oh my beer. word! Banana this bread is beer. I have never heard of such a thing. I can literally, as soon as I opened it, 
I can smell the bananas. Oh my gosh, this beer is bananas. My wife saw me get this and she said, you're nuts. <laughs> and so I know that opening this, she doesn't want to share this at all. So I've got it here. There this is go. by Eagle Brewery. No okay. idea where they're at, uh, but if they want yeah. to sponsor the podcast, I'm totally open for you doing that. Also, Anderson and I Valley. see you're 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 pouring it into a glass cup, so you're pouring it into a glass. Than me. Yep. So we're gonna kind of do the pour, tilting the glass at about a 45 degree angle. Oh my gosh! And uh, if you can hear that pour going on right now, man, it smells like banana. Oh my goodness! This could be the worst beer I've ever had in my life, but boy. The buildup is fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, and it's got so listener, it, it, the the label is basically it's got a peeled banana, but it's if you peel, you're peeling back the banana, it's like a a, a cup of beer, right? Um, Instead of a banana inside, it's a cup yeah, of beer it's, inside it's, the peel. It's a, it, yeah. it's a beer, yeah, yeah. So you're like peeling away the beer, which is good. Five point two percent by volume, okay. pretty alcohol. low, pretty so, low. So not too bad. Yeah. So I should be able to stay pretty lucid throughout this conversation yeah. since I am yeah. a lightweight. Uh, it's a bigger one. Um, it's uh, one pint. Oh, wow. I don't. I don't usually finish off a pint, but uh, we'll see. Let me take yeah, a drink. We'll see here. how good David, it is. Yeah, take you, a drink. Let's see if you. Let's see if you finish off that glass. So it's like a. Not like a pilsner. Okay. It's good though. It's light. It's a oh, lighter. Okay. It's a lighter right, beer. Yeah. yeah, it's not that dark. That speaks to the five percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, like that's it. good. That's good. I would I would do that again. I'm gonna have to finish this whole class by the time we're done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there we go. Um, there's our beer review for the day. Now, now uh, we are here. We are settled into the podcast. We, Welcome. We are. Present. You made it through our unofficial intro. So I dropped my can opener. Um, yeah. So there's the unofficial intro. But Cape and I want to jump right in. Um, yesterday. Uh, I got to thinking about the podcast, and as I was I was laying down, I was actually trying to take a nap, and I actually I couldn't because my brain just wouldn't wouldn't shut off. Um, and and what I what I wanted us to talk about today um, is really uh, at the time of this recording, we're about seven or eight days uh, into the uh, the war in Ukraine, Russia invading mm-hmm. Ukraine, um, and. It, yeah, and let's 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 call it what it is. I had wrote conflict, but let's let's call it what it is. It's it's a war, it sure um, is. and it and it got me thinking about perspectives uh, from an American who's lived overseas. Now, Cabin, you are an American who's lived overseas. I and, am. Yeah, and and as Americans, we tend to be, I think, as a whole, pretty ethnocentric. Mm-hmm. To where we're pretty kind of focused on what our view is. We basically have a singular lens, I believe, in which we view the world, mm-hmm. uh, world politics and events. I know that I'm pretty guilty of that. So if I'm pointing a finger, I know I've got three pointing back at me. Now, I was listening to John Stewart recently, and he said, you know, it's it kind of jokingly, but also seriously, like really the only way we Americans learn geography is if somebody's bombing somebody else. Mm-hmm. Or typically we're, we're doing the bombing a mm-hmm. lot of the times. Um, so the, the, the basis of this conversation is I'm not going to sit here and, and ask you to solve the world's problems or p- pretend, you know, like we have any of the answers at all. But what I would like to do is to ask you a few questions from your lived experience that may give myself and, and our listeners a better perspective of how the world operates outside of our borders and, and maybe perhaps share some thoughts on um, how an American and American Americans and America might be viewed outside of our borders. So 
if Ooh, if you're game, this, whew, I would man. I'd love to kind of dive into that. Is that is that okay by you? Let, and this is really yeah. going to torpedo the podcast if you say it's not because then I mean shoot. no it yeah, let's go there. Okay. Um, I'm definitely not going to respond to the questions as any kind of expert. Like this is like sure. Whew. Well, um, and that's why I you you've got some time, and and that's actually what mm-hmm. I want I want us to start with is you talking about the time that you spent outside. You you probably have more time than most, but I was pretty intentional about saying your lived experience because mm-hmm. with the understanding that this is from your lens and your perspective. Sure. So, sure. um. Uh, I just got you here, and, and, and while we're thinking about this and, and thinking about what's going on, um, can you tell us you know, just a little bit about you've lived overseas, but then you've had mm-hmm. a job that's taken mm-hmm. you overseas yeah. even after you've come and came back to uh, yeah. America. So can you walk us through a little bit of the timeline there? Sure. So, um, I mean, since, since we're kind of catching this in the conversation of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, I've never been to either country. I've mm-hmm. never been to Ukraine or Russia, right? So... Certainly from that perspective, um, a lot of lament and a lot of learning and a lot of listening to other voices. Um, The first time I left the United States, I was eight years old. Uh, It was my first airplane ride. It was a Boeing 747 from San Francisco International to London Heathrow. Wow. Um, It's a long way for an eight-year-old. It was. It was a long way. And that was only the first leg of the flight. The second leg of the flight was London Heathrow to Nairobi, Kenya. Wow. And... So yeah, that, that was, that, that was kind of my introduction to both travel and also the world. Um, and it set the tone in a lot of ways because I instantly fell in love with Kenya. We only spent four months there, um, when I was eight years old. Um, but it was marvelous. Um, we went back again for my high school years. Three of my four high school years were spent in Kenya, um, at a boarding school that my parents worked at as well. And, um, in that time, I, I spent a solid 24 months um, not setting foot on American soil. So that was actually the longest span of time I went completely outside of the U.S. We came back to visit for like three or four weeks um, other times in there. So, um, yeah, and, and those two years, they were my junior and senior year of high school. So those are fairly formative years. And in fact, in a period of that time, my parents had to come back to the States for reasons. And I straight up told them, I was like, I'm, I'm not going back. Like, hmm. you're, you're going to find someone for me to live with here while you're gone. <laughs> so wow. they, they were gone for three weeks and I stayed in Kenya because um, that felt home to me. That, that felt like the place I wanted to be and spend my time. Um, so from the year 2000... Until we moved here to the farm in 2018, I left the country every single calendar year. So for 18 years straight, at least one trip, I was somewhere not in America. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in, in the early years of the, thou- of the 2000s, that time was spent in Kenya. Um, but then even through college, every break I got, you know, when my friends were going back home, my parents were still living in Kenya. So I would go somewhere else. Maybe it was Canada, maybe it was Mexico, but it was it was somewhere. Okay. Um, Panama, uh, Chile, Argentina. Um, so got. Were to you see going Canada. by yourself, or were you going with with others? A little bit of both. Um, it worked out that my older sister is fluent in Spanish, and oh, okay. she was doing some different work in some other countries. So I'd go down and spend time with her and I kind of acted as, you know, the, the intimidating male bodyguard and she acted as a translator and it ended up being a great team because it gave her, you know, maybe a little bit added boost of confidence to maybe go visit some places that she might not have alone. And then gave yeah. me, uh, a, I certainly wouldn't have gone there alone cause I can't speak the language. So, sure. 
Um, that was great. Yeah. And then like you mentioned, um, you know, after married, um, went to Uganda, Jen and I did, and that, that whole story is out there. And then, um, you know, Judah was born, went back to Uganda. And then as we were settling into life in the States, we got a job that took us overseas fairly regularly. Um, you know, I was doing anywhere from three to four international trips per year. Um, and these were two to three weeks a piece from 2013 to 2017. And so a lot of that was, you know, if, if college, if high school was Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, college was North and South America, um, this job was a lot of South Asia and Europe. So okay. Czech Republic, Slovenia, Spain, um, Malta, the island of Malta, uh, Thailand, India, Nepal, um, so di- different places. Okay. Um, so and how long, how long was that time period that you were for your job? You were going overseas. Uh, we worked there four years and each year I went on either three or four trips. Okay. So I haven't counted up how many trips I actually did, but somewhere, somewhere so north of 12 four trips. more years, you were pretty frequent uh, mm-hmm. outside, outside yeah. of the U S. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was four years of, you know, I, I would have two plane tickets bought, as I was boarding the first plane, you know what I mean? So like I I knew, (laughs) you know, I'm getting on a plane to go to Spain, but I know, okay, in three months I'm also going to India. And then in four months after that, I'm going somewhere else, um, back to Serbia or something else. Um, yeah. So that, you know, we were immersed in travel. And of course, when I wasn't traveling, I was in contact and communication with people, Mm -hmm. um, overseas cause that was my job. Yeah. Now you said something interesting. You said I didn't I didn't want to come back because Kenya felt like home. Oh yeah. What what was that feeling? Why what was that pull that kept you there? Oh man, that's so hard to answer now, Chris. That's whew. There's something about See, I, I'm gonna use a word that Americans think they love. Mm. <laughs> There's something about the freedom of living in Kenya. Okay. Um, and I mean the sense of genuine freedom of being able to let down the pretense of who I am and simply be. There was a connection to everything. Like I remember coming back here and even sitting in a car, getting picked up at the airport. We got picked up. I don't know. It was like in a, it wasn't a car. I think it was like a, a suburban or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so disoriented. Because I couldn't feel the road. I couldn't hear the cars. I couldn't, I was so disconnected from the environment immediately. Yeah. Whereas life in Kenya, everything, everything is just visceral, connected, slowed down so you can actually mm. see what you're looking at, taste what you're eating. Yeah. And it is so freeing. It is so, so freeing. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not dismissing the amount of suffering that people experience, but what we as Americans tend to do is only look at the suffering to the exclusion of all the joy. And the truth is Kenya is a beautiful economy with an amazing culture, um, a diverse cultural arts brought into the mix. And there's just it's a wonderful country. It's a great place to yeah. live and be and do and move. Um, and I loved it. You said something interesting, uh, slow. Things were slower. Things Life slowed down a little bit. This isn't a humble brag or a flex. 
it was like really the the most time that I spent the only time I spent outside of of the U.S. was in France. I was there for about a month, and that's the one thing that I noticed going out to eat. Just the pace of life overall was slower. Yeah. When you sit down for a meal, you sit down for a meal. Like that's that's your evening activity. And in, in my mental state, it drove me nuts and it took some adjustment to do because usually we sit down, we go, we do the thing and then we're on to the next thing and we go to the next thing. And that's just how we are and that's how we're wired. And that's how I grew up. And I'm not saying that's good, bad or indifferent. It's just the way that it was. And so to get used to a different pace of life takes some adjusting and getting used to. So I can see where that might be, might be something that's very appealing yeah. Um, and not to yeah. not to downplay everything else, but there is an attractiveness about that. Sure. And, uh, and you know, I'm I'm an Enneagram type three. I'm I love yeah, busy. speaking of going. <laughs> I love going hard. I love mm-hmm. being scrappy and hustling. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet there is something that, you know, and, and again, we could probably have a whole podcast on this because it's something that I have spent years paying attention to and probably have another six or seven decades of paying attention to really get to the bottom of it. But yeah, there's, there's a deeper language beneath the language of Enneagram that exists within me that yearns for connection and slowness Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't always get to be the dry in in the driver's seat. Um, And, and I think part of that is because our American culture Truly, if if our culture has a love affair with anything, um, it's either success um, or money. But probably beneath those two things, what makes both of those things work in our American mythology is busyness. Hmm. Um, so really, if America has one true love affair, um, it is with staying busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and just a quick test of that is, you know, spend spend tomorrow, ask people, hey, how was yesterday? And see how long it takes them to tell you that they were busy. Mm. Um, very, very few people um, will say, you know, I didn't do anything and it was awesome. Um, that to me, that's almost a sign of guilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. I haven't if I haven't done anything, if I haven't accomplished anything, well, then I'm not being productive and I'm not yeah. I'm not earning my value and my keep. Yeah, it's almost like you haven't. Um, it's almost like you haven't been a human if you haven't been busy in in the American right. psyche. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Being consists in being busy. Yeah. So one of the reasons, well, there's several reasons as we mentioned, but kind of you can be at least in in our little circle here on our representation one of the things we say is we invite folks to sit around the table with us as we mm. kind of have a drink and, and share and and you've got the microphone so uh kind of looking to you as as the ambassador of of oh, travel yes. of getting a different <laughs> perspective right because and and I'm speaking for myself most of the time what I'm consuming besides this nice banana bread beer um, from the media is we're getting fed a constant stream of of negative. So what what my portrayal my portrayal of another culture of another people can be so shaped by the fear that's put in front of us that if if you don't have the experience of stepping outside of kind of the protective walls, 
And I don't mean this in like, I, I just want to bash on America all day. That's not the point at all. Mm-hmm. I just want to say like, is there something that do, in your travels, do you now look at other cultures with a better understanding? Do you, do you have empathy? Do you have sympathy? Is it, is it a fearful thing for you or at, is it just at the core humanity we're humanity and we're all messed up anyway and that's just the way it is no matter where you go <laughs> uh yeah man there, there's lots to unpack there so yes humanity is humanity everywhere you go um and and i land on that on the positive side okay um, that humanity is beautiful and good and creative and wise and smart and competent and um worthy of our time and attention um that a good life can be shaped anywhere because there are humans everywhere um so that, that's where I land on that. Quick sidebar when you were saying earlier about the news. You know, there, there are so many things in America that are just truly bizarre. And I mean that in the sense that if you were to line up all the existing expressions of an institution or a construct in, you know, a hundred different countries and over a hundred different times throughout history, mm. what we do here in America is is just weird. Like, it's like, you know, one of these things just doesn't belong here. Hmm. <laughs> our news is weird. Our government structure is weird. Our healthcare system's weird. Our education's weird. Our military's weird. It just everything is weird. Hmm. And and for, for many of us, it feels like it's the only way things could be to hmm. be good. Um, and yet, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit, um, again, I, I'm, and I don't mean this in any kind of a disrespectful way. I'm just reaching for an analogy. And, and the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, when, when you're in a cult and you're just taught that certain things are normal, right? Like it's just, everyone does this. Everyone, you know, wears long dresses and gets married at 15 or everyone, you know, dances in the dark and, and prays to the moon or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what cult it is. Right. But like, you just think that is totally normal yeah. until you, until you actually, and not just hear that something could be different. Cause then you're just, you just exit out but once you actually live into something different and you're like oh my goodness like man there there's a lot of normal in the world there is a lot of normal in the world Mm -hmm. um so then kind of coming back to the the center of your question i think asking about perspective and, and thinking and engaging with other cultures i think what really built the structure that i exist within now was a realization that children grow up with happy memories everywhere Right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and the flip side, that's true too. Children grow up with terrible memories everywhere, including here in our own backyard. Yeah. We tend to have a perception of other cultures, protect, particularly what I call majority world, majority world cultures or um, cultures that are more considered warm cultures um, or in a more derogatory sense, um, what we typically think of as like a third world culture, which I don't identify with that language, but okay. um, that, that might be easier to grasp. <clears throat> so we, we tend to project this idea that everything is bad. Okay. Mm. And yet children grow up happy. Yeah. Like let, let's just center ourselves there. Like it is possible to cultivate a good life anywhere because humans are everywhere. Mm. And I think as soon as that was unlocked for me, that, began to reveal a new world because then what I started paying attention to was how, how are these children growing up happy? Mm-hmm. Not, I need to study them and, and understand them because I think they're wrong or they need to be corrected. But like just genuinely like 
can I sit here in this mud hut with a dirt floor and just observe through participation and let it all down and just presume that happiness exists in this space Mm. and then let it come to me. Let the awareness be presented to me through the participation because there's presumption, right? Mm -hmm. When, When there's a presumption of evil or bad or negativity, we find it. When there's a presumption of good and positivity in life, we, we tend to find it. Right. Um, so the first thing was, yeah, kids grow up happy everywhere. Kids are born everywhere, right? We don't have right. to be afraid of having kids in another country because it's kids <laughs> are born everywhere all the time. It's just life right. goes on. Humanity is formed. And then the second piece that came a little bit later, um, a few a few years after that, um, and, and I remember it had laid dormant in my consciousness for a long time, but I remember I was in India and I had brought a guest along with me who had never been, um, and I it wasn't his first trip overseas, but it was his first trip to India. And, you know, a lot of things in India are weird too, if you sure. lay it out in the, in the specter of the world, right? There's, there's some things that, you know, one of these things doesn't belong here too, just like the U S we all have that. And so we were up against one of those cultural things that was just very different than the American experience. Right. And there was a moment of frustration on the part of my guest. And he just was like, what, what is, why is everyone okay with this? Uh. And I remember we were sitting in the backseat of a very, very small car. And my response to him was just, it, 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 it was very off the cuff, but it was very honest because it came from deep within me. And I said, just remember, it makes sense here. Hmm. And I realized that, that was, that's the starting place for me when I enter an unknown environment. That literally, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're going into a cult or a palace or if you're going to a new restaurant. Sure. When you walk into an unfamiliar space, just remember that space makes sense to the people who are already there. Uh. Right? So the language makes sense, the food makes sense, the morning routine makes sense, the traffic makes sense, the political system makes sense, mm-hmm. the sports there makes sense. <laughs> it all makes sense because yeah. from the people who are born and raised in that place because remember kids are born everywhere, it's normal. That mm. is normal. That world is normal. That way of doing traffic, that way of doing sports, that way of doing education is normal, which means it makes sense. And when we come from that place of, okay, this makes sense to them, yeah. then the question becomes, can it make sense to me? Mm. Not can I change it so that way I'm more comfortable with it, but can I change so that this also makes sense? Can you? Yes. Were, were you able to? Yes. Yes. It's, okay. it's possible. There's there's skills that we can build and train into ourselves where we're able to do that. And and probably the cornerstone skill there is moving from dualistic thinking to non-dualistic thinking. Um, but that okay. also might be its own podcast. <laughs> That's another thing. <laughs> another, All right. Another I, I'm, I'm going to stop you there just because we've got about okay. 10 minutes left before okay. I know that we, we need to wrap up here. So I want to I ask one more question. Um, with your experience, with your travel, you've got, you've got more than some and not as much as others. And that's Mm -hmm, fine. Absolutely. But from where you sit or where you stand, what would you say to someone who's never been overseas outside of our borders, uh, Mm. that might be scared to venture outside our borders, especially in it's a, it's been a very scary time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's, if you look at history, if there's ever been a great time, there might be mm-hmm. sometimes that maybe there was less turmoil in the world than others. And again, it depends on where you go, 
but you've been to many, many places on both sides of the ocean from where we yeah. sit right now. Um, what would you say to somebody who's like, I, I can't, that's, it's just, that's too dangerous. I can't, I can't go up there. I don't mm. know what to expect. Mm. Well, th- those listening can't see, but I'm smiling right now because I, I think that there's a lot of sweet beauty, um, in Smiley that didn't have your eyes closed in the kind yeah, of like meditative I mean, there's, mm, state. There's it's such a, yes, it, it taps into my soul because there, there's some beautiful invitation waiting mm. just on the other side of that question. And, and, and a second reason I'm smiling is because I now relate to that position through many things. And, and particularly as you were saying that I relate to, I related that not to people traveling, but to people who are fearful of exploring spiritual truths beyond what they were given in their childhood. Interesting. Um, that, that's actually where my mind was going, that there is a sense of like, I can't consider that because it's scary because I don't know what's there. I don't know if it's going to hurt me. I don't know if it's going to help me. Right. And to what I would say to both of those trapped in religious dogma and those trapped in geopolitical dogma, yeah, I would say the world is full of a lot more yes than no. Mm. Say that um, one more time. One more time. So I, to, to those who are fearful of the unknown, I yeah. would say that there's a lot more yes than no in the world. Huh. What I mean by that is, for the most part, everyone wants to wake up tomorrow morning. Everyone's interested in eating some food today. Everyone's interested in participating in this human experiment. On the individual level, I'm not talking about political structures where true evil exists. I'm talking yeah. about just when when you break down, when your motorcycle breaks down the side of the road in Tanzania, mm. guess what? People are going to invite you to their goat stew. <laughs> like it's it's going to happen. Like they're okay. I'll I'll just share one short story from high school. So me and my five closest friends, we all had little Honda two fifty cc motorcycle like trail bikes. Yeah. And when school wasn't in session, we just drive across the valley, camp when the sun set. We'd chase giraffe and zebra, and it was all kinds of amazing and and this truly. Um, cinematic worthy uh, experiences but there's this one time we just found this little goalie out in the middle of of the savannah and set up you know our, our little tents there and and we slept and built a fire and had dinner and went to bed and when we woke up the next morning we were completely surrounded on on the edge of the ravine we were completely surrounded by people mm. clearly we had slept in some tribal area that this particular tribe and i don't mean tribal in the way that again we tend to think of it politically but what I mean is a tribe in most contexts is a large right. extended family, okay. 30 to 50 people who have a unique dialect and a unique way of understanding and moving the world that might be shared with a larger tribal connection and a deeper history, but it's their localized expression of it. So clearly we had slept and it turned out we had slept about 300 yards from their little cluster of homes that we were unaware of because we set up in the dark. So we wake up the next morning um, surrounded by, by this Maasai tribe, and, and they were of the Maasai people. And when we woke up, we had this sense of fear of saying, oh, we really messed up. 
this, we could be in some very, very deep trouble right now because we have trespassed their land. Yeah. We have no defenses um, and we're vastly outnumbered. Mm. And we, so, you know, as high schoolers, we just approached it with a lot of humility and timidness and just tried to begin some conversation to create some understanding. Interesting. And about an hour into the process, they had lit a fire and started cooking us breakfast. Oh, wow. And by the time it was done, we were all sitting around the fire sharing breakfast together. Huh. And they blessed us to go on our way and we left. Wow. And so there's just a lot more yes than no in the world. When you go somewhere, there are going to be people who treat you with kindness. There are going to be people who are not offended by your silly questions or by your awkward interactions. There's going to be people who delight in your humanity. Yeah. Wow. That, that says it beautifully because I was, I was talking to my wife over the weekend and we, and we were talking about world events and we were talking about kind of everything that's going on. And I, I've held this belief for a long time. And you just said that a lot more yes than no puts it real beautifully to what my theory has been is that really for the majority of people at the end of the day, I just want to go home to my family. I just mm-hmm. want to be with my friends. I want to be in community mm-hmm. and I want to live my life in peace. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's really, I, I feel like for most of humanity, that's, that's what it is. Now there's a, a song uh, from a, a, an old folk song back in the sixties that I listened, you know, grew up listening to my dad's folk records, but I'll never forget the, the line. You know, it says, why, why must the worst of men fight and the best of men die? You know, this mm. old, you know, Vietnam protest song. But it really is true, like yeah. it to, to to the point of like that's where I feel like, really at the end of the day, we we just want to be accepted and loved and and just lay our heads down at night and like you said, get up in the morning, break bread with somebody, mm-hmm. and and do it all over again. So absolutely, I, I appreciate that. That's a beautiful. I think that's a, just a beautiful thing to end on. There's there's more yes than no. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, Haven, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks for the perspective. Super excited for Judah's birthday tomorrow. I know you guys yeah. are are in the midst of planning that. So uh, I have made a note for next week to uh, to talk about um, rites of passage. Ooh, so interesting because that can be weird. Let's just say it. It, it sounds weird. <laughs> it sounds like it's a cult thing, Cayman. Speaking so. of things I've learned from other places <laughs> in the world, yes. <laughs> no, but that's, that's, that's a perfect example yeah. of how things like can blend and, and we can mm-hmm. be humanity and learn and teach each other these other things. So thanks so much. We're going to end it there. Uh, how can people find us real quick? I know we're going to have it on our ending tag here, but uh, we've got an email address. Do you remember it? Because I'm not remembering it right now. <laughs> we, we had so much trouble last week, but I think it's just of dust and divinity at gmail.com. That's the one. That's yep. the one. Well, listener, thanks so much for joining us. We're excited to keep the conversation going. Thanks for being a part of this conversation. And Cayman, thank you. And we'll see everybody next time. You're the best, Chris. Thanks. You're the best. And that's our show. If this conversation was meaningful to you like it was to us, leave a rating and review so that more people just like us can discover this podcast and join the conversation themselves. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you're here. And we'd love for you to join the conversation too. But hey, 
you've heard enough of our voices. For show notes or to connect with this community of seekers, visit us online at ofdustanddivinity.com. Partner with us on Patreon and get access to exclusive content, merch, and hidden perks. Go to patreon.com slash ofdustanddivinity. Join our Facebook group of Dust and Divinity podcast community and engage with us on Instagram at ofdust underscore and divinity. As you go through your day, remember these words of Rainer Maria Rilke. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given to you, for you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Now.